0: To The Raw is Nitro podcast, a show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings And declares some of our own winners in pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham Joined once again by the Doctor Amongst Men, Duncan Joyce How's things going, Duncan? Adrenaline
1: in my soul I'm back on Raw is Nitro Reviewing (laughs) Funder and it fucking sucks
0: Oh my god, you were prepared for this one, that's brilliant (laughs) I thought of this like
1: yesterday morning and then wrestlemania just kept it in my head all day long
0: i have started the hall of fame and i've watched the steiners and that is all i've watched this weekend i have been crazy busy with football um i yeah made my big re-debut played the first game of football in over five years on friday night i am still in pain to 48 hours later uh, <laughs> eat that austin yep um but <laughs> well worth it we won and i scored uh, on my on my big game first game back um and then coaching and then i was gifted tickets for the family to go and watch the raw play this afternoon on behalf of the club so um had a football mad weekend i stayed up till two in the morning watching manchester city beat burnley so um I, my plan is to crack on with the hall of fame and wrestlemania as the week goes on and just pick apart the bits that i want to watch how about yourself how much of you um indulge this week
1: Nice job, yeah. I only re-upped yesterday, mostly because I was at the point where I was needing to review shows again, and you know, of course, it's WrestleMania. So, I actually gave NXT Stand and Deliver a chance, because I was just about around when uh, it got started. I was only like 10 minutes behind the live feed, and I was pleasantly surprised by it. It wasn't quite as bad as I was expecting. Um, It kind of hit that kind of midway point between modern WWE and like the old black and gold NXT didn't seem like there was much of the 2.0 nonsense going on around it. Um, So yeah, that was, that was all right. Um, Got the hall of fame watch with uh, like uh, 30 minutes into the kickoff show last night. Um, Unreal. I I, I think you're going to really enjoy it um and then yeah stayed up all night for night one of wrestlemania uh i will keep my lips sealed on that but um yeah hope you have a good one mate
0: nice i um i legitimately didn't know there was an nxt show that's how disconnected i am from the current product um so I will check out some of the media. I'll skip the matches I'm not interested in. Um, what I really want to watch is um, a certain big debut and a certain big return, so I'll probably just skim to those for Night 1. Um, I don't think there's anything on Night 2 I'm all that interested in seeing, but I, if Night 1 enthralls me, that I might carry on through into the next night.
1: I would make sure you check out Bianca and Becky.
0: Okay. All right. With well, a strong recommendation, I will do it but we're here to talk 1999 and we're back on the thunder and smackdown kick um, and if thunder and smackdown were night one and night two of wrestling i would definitely watch night one and then fucked off and not bothered with night two
1: <laughs> well um this is on thunder side of things it's the first show in a double taping and it's because um they're actually live this week. And to be honest, going off some of the way that they prep themselves for the next show of the taping, I would probably also have fucked off halfway through the taping.
0: <laughs> SmackDown um was in Birmingham, Alabama and drew a four point six three rating. Thunder in Baton Rouge, Louisiana drew a one point seven nine. So the discrepancy between the two shows is still widening at this point as well. Um Which show did you watch first, Duncan?
1: Thunder, unfortunately.
0: (laughs) We always do it the opposite. Let's head to Thunder and get this one over and done with, hey?
1: (laughs) I shall do the opposite.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, Thunder is on the air. And for the next two hours, we invite you to join us as the superstars of WCW take the spotlight on the Superstation TBS. And you are looking live at the Riverside Centriplex. We are in the heart of Cajun country. Betong Rouge, Louisiana. The land of crawfish and the bayou swamps, where tonight you will see the total package with Elizabeth, as well as Rey Mysterio Jr., Buck Bagwell, the Revolutions' Terry Saturn, CW pay-per-view tradition that is Halloween Havoc. It's now just 10 days away from the strip in Las Vegas, Nevada at the MGM Grand Garden Arena. And hello once again, everyone. This is your TBS Primetime Broadcast Team. Mike Tenay, joined by not only wrestling's living legend, Larry Zobisco, but also, and yes, this is a shocker, joining us this week here on Thunder in the Broadcast Booth. Big Sexy Kevin Nash and Kevin I don't understand this you're retired you're retired from professional wrestling. What are you doing here?
3: Well see you know there's been a lot of people that said I was a horrible booker but I've actually booked myself in the best angle of all time. I'm retired. and Since they're paying me big money they decided that they would put me on the broadcast team to try to recoup some of those funds.
2: And how about your outsiders partner Scott Hall, conspicuous by his absence? He was supposed to
3: be here, but uh, I haven't seen him since he left for the two ladies for sushi on Monday night. So uh, Scott's missing in action as we speak.
2: Living Legend, your comments on our newest broadcast colleague Kevin Nash? Well, now
3: he's not an everyday colleague here. I mean, are you sure? Not, he's There's a lot of changes going on in it. WCW. I, I just want Kevin to know that uh, he's okay. Welcome here, and I uh, I gave his keys to Moses. It's going to
2: be a very interesting Thunder. Larry Zabisco, Mike Tanay, and believe it or not, Kevin
0: Nash here to call the action. All right. As you will have heard on the intro there, we have a new commentary team on Thunder. It's now Mike Taney, Larry Zabisco, and joining them, Kevin Nash. And the little opening spiel there one thing stood out to me greatly I don't know if if this annoyed you as much as it did me Duncan but in the very first little chat of the commentary team Kevin Nash tells us he's a genius because he's booked his own retirement (laughs) I
1: made a note of that yeah so um, I think you know WCW doing whatever they can to recoup their money the thing that caught my attention was he's apparently not seen Scott Hall since they took those two ladies out to sushi on Monday (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh man it was um yep this was started you mean to go on territory here with nash so we'll uh we'll just interject with some nash stuff on the way through and if i've missed anything duncan please throw it in, in yourself as well
1: oh you you yeah you can bet he's going to be the prime topic of conversation this episode
0: and I think this will be the last time I watch Thunder first. Uh, sorry, watch SmackDown first because my first note for Thunder in the opening match, which is Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker taking on Hacksaw Jim Duggan, for fuck's sake! SmackDown opened with the New Age Outlaws. Thunder opens with the Old Age Pensioners. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh my god! And Jim Duggan's WCW. Music just makes me miserable. I just I hear that music and I'm like, why do I watch wrestling? I'm not even that interested anymore. Turn it off. Um, oh, God. I'll splice a little tiny clip of his music in here, and you guys can all tell me by being harsh.
3: <laughs> the ball's definitely in Sid's court. I mean, Goldberg made the mistake, uh, he broke the stipulation. The ball's definitely a big 6 You know he's right about that. It is up to Sid Vicious. He came up with the mind games and the idea. Let's try to keep Goldberg away from me while I harass the man. But it backfired in his face, Mike. Now it's time for Sid Vicious to prove to everybody that he wants to be the Millennium Man.
1: I'm on Doug and Janet a watch, and he's not quite got there yet, so he's still in his traditional garb here.
0: Yep. Yeah, he's... um back in his, his old school 1980s trunks. Um, yeah, the less said about that, the better. Um, Kevin Nash right away, say what you will about Jim Duggan, but he has a way of staying over like, Oh, just make it stop already. Um, Duggan no sells some blows in a clothesline from Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker. This is pretty much a total squash early until Parker gets an eye poke, but no, it's still a squash. Um, Buddy Lee Parker locks on a chin lock to slow down this dizzying pace they've opened up with. Um, and I really, like, I find myself being annoyed at everybody here and I get really cranky because the crowd are into it. How dare you be into Hacksaw Jim Duggan in 1999 while he's riding a chin lock? Fuck off.
1: <laughs> I think Larry Zabisco put it best on commentary here you know, Duggan, a very simple man, a
0: thug, if you
1: can't out-wrestle Hacksaw,
0: you're in trouble. <laughs> yep. And he finishes this one off with a basic slam, followed by a three-point stance clothesline, and the old glory knee drop, and remember that because it will come into play about 463 times later on through the night.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what a dud,
0: eh? Oh, Like, how did... Do- they have a roster with a million people on it, and they are still opening shows with Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, whilst their opposition is quadrupling their ratings. Like, Honestly, is, is there no one with any common sense back there? Kevin Nash, instead of booking your retirement and your commentary stint, why don't you book some entertaining wrestling for fuck's sake?
1: <laughs> Parker looked tiny next to Duggan, and you'd think... I mean, okay, we, we've already kind of dismissed the merits of a Hacksaw-Jim Duggan enhancement match in 1999, but you'd think if you were going to do it in the first place, you'd put him in there with a younger guy that will learn a little bit of something, not the bloody trainer of a power plant.
0: Oh, it's just awful on every level. It's it's terrible. <sighs> we go to a commercial, and when we come back... Um, we go to another featured contest, Al Green taking on Lash LaRue. Not Al Green, the famous singer, as Kevin Nash alludes to, but rather the wrestler who looks like some sort of weird combination of Perry Satin and Brian Cage.
1: Oh, yeah, that, that's pretty spot on. Nash also admitted that he used to be tag team partners with Al Green.
0: Yes, the Master Blasters.
1: Oh, that's who they were. Oh, okay. I'd heard that name. I didn't realise who... Comprised that team,
0: yeah, they weren't great. So no surprise <laughs> that this is also not great. Um, Lash LaRue's is a little bit over here, though. Um, he close lines Al Green over the top. Uh, they brawl on the outside. Al catches him on a crossbody and hits a slam for a two. Lash LaRue hits a pair of drop kicks and then a sort of um, a version of a Death Valley driver for the one two three. And I did not see this one coming. Lash LaRue beats the much bigger man clean as a whistle.
1: Yeah, I took issue with that. Why is a cruiserweight squashing such a big lad?
0: It doesn't make any sense. Like, I'm okay for him getting the win, but this was a, yeah, like you said, a bit of a squash. Um, Didn't really. Yeah, I mean, I I guess it's to put Lash Leroy over strong, but Al Green's got no name power, so it didn't make that much of a difference.
1: No, for sure. It's not the only thing that's not going to make much sense about Lash's booking tonight but I don't know. He, he's not very cruiser weighty and a little bit boring in my book.
0: Yeah. Um, we'll certainly touch on that later as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, we get a recap of Jimmy Hart's first family attacking Harlem heat. And then Alex Luger, Liz promo, um, some very cheap heat on Baton Rouge, a very standard house show heel promo that really served no purpose, had good heat, but there was just no point to it. Um, He's interrupted by Buff Bagwell in the sweetest pair of 90s overalls you'll ever see, who challenges him for next week. Rick Steiner then comes out, they two-on-one Buff Bagwell, and holy randomness, Leparka comes out to make the save. This was a combination I never thought I'd see.
1: Someone just literally pressed shuffle on the roster here.
0: This is uh, (laughs) GM mode or whatever it is on the game, through and through.
1: Oh, totally, yeah. So this is all to set up. Bagwell and Lex are going to wrestle next week, i.e., on the second show of the taping. Um, yeah, like you say, it, it was. You could tell how directionless it was because the boos are coming in. Because, as you say, Lex is kind of over, and he just totally loses his train of thought at one point. Um, he at one point claimed he, he had won every major title. That's wrong and described himself as having the greatest metamorphic physique today.
0: And he sort of, he, I think at one point, called himself Lex Luger before realising he's not called Lex Luger anymore and had to backtrack and say, that's not what you call me anymore. It was just, yeah, meandering and served no purpose. And really, there was no point to Buff coming out. He didn't say anything about Buff.
1: Yeah, it's it was all really... Um, I think it was through Mean Gene or it was either through commentary that we knew they were going to wrestle next week. Um, yeah, I guess like Lex is doing the, oh, why didn't I get any sympathy routine? And Bagwell who's supposedly one of his buddies was like, uh, well, no, what are you doing, mate? Um, and what's going on with you and Stink? But, um, yeah, the only other notable thing from this is being on Nash Watch. The fans started chanting, Luger sucks, and Nash quipped,
0: "Well, he's really worn these people over tonight. <laughs> oh, good stuff, good stuff. Um, from there, we go to a highlight package of David Flair being punked out by every member of the roster hitting on Tori Wilson before Mr. Perfect beats him down. Um, <laughs> they should have just flashed a graphic that said David Flair is a pathetic loser. It would have achieved the same job as his highlight package.
1: This feels very Vince McMahon having a lad who's undeserving of a a very attractive woman.
0: Yeah, that's definitely how it came across.
1: (laughs) I loved perfect bragging about having two CDs out when he was flirting with Tori.
0: (laughs) That was quite funny. Um, Billy Kidman coming out the shower fully dressed with Tory Wilson coming out in a towel insinuating they'd had sex in the shower but he also took all his clothes in the shower with him. Um, strange choice, that one. <laughs> he had boots on! like <laughs> you know, Just, uh, I can't even. <laughs> Anywho, um, we then go to the Armstrong, Steve and Scott so they're out there's um, a is- which two? Stephen Armstrong- Scott, yeah. Yeah. Uh oh yeah, and it's Brad later. I was gonna I was gonna say we see Brian later, but no Brian's a road dog. I'm like, how many fucking Armstrongs are there? It's Stephen Scott. <laughs> um taking on the first family, which is Brian Knobs and Hugh Morris.
1: Oh my god, did you see Steve's back?
0: Oh, I have it written here. What is going on with Steve's back? That can't be back me. It looks like sunburn has started to peel. It is the worst thing I've ever seen. Like, it looks like a disease. What was that? <laughs> Fucking gross, isn't it? What, what, I couldn't even figure out what it was. It was like his entire back was like a checkerboard or like, you know, it looked like it had been, his, it looked like his skin had been knitted. <laughs> maybe
1: it was mange which i learned was an actual condition that dogs have and it's not people just making up a word for the alliteration when they talk about mangy mutts
0: ah fair enough well yep yeah, let's <laughs> hopefully we don't see it again but <laughs> i'd say that would have been necessitated by not seeing the armstrongs again <laughs> <laughs> um we get corner strikes from knobs um We get a Hugh Morris press slam into a drop, um, some elbows from Nobbs, Morris misses a top rope elbow, um, and then Steve Armstrong cleans house before Nobbs comes back with a slam and a Hugh Morris moonsault for the 1-2-3. They kind of promo on their downed opponents, but referring to them as Harlem Heat, and that brings Harlem Heat out to chase them off. They get on the mic and say, we don't have to wait till Halloween Havoc, we can do it right now, but Nobbs and um, Morris were literally just walking, so it made no sense cutting that promo and exciting the crowd for nothing.
1: Yeah, totally just cut straight to commercial.
0: <laughs> what a great layout, eh? Yeah. Um, really, uh, nothing matched. So far, we've had Lash LaRue versus Al Green, Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, and now the first family against the Armstrongs. Like, where are all the stars? This is pitiful.
1: Oh, totally. Well, one of them's on commentary, and when he first caught glimpse of Hugh Morris, Nash claimed that Hugh flies to Japan every week to have Bull Nakano do his hair.
0: <laughs> I miss that line. That's a good one.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, Totally nothing, Max. This card stinks so far. I thought it was funny. Um, what was it? Steve got in there. Didn't look like he got the tag when he was cleaning house, but the ref allowed it anyway, because I think... Um, the refs have lost care in the world based on what we've had tonight so far. And Nobbs, when he was uh, post-victory, he proclaimed who are the fruit booties now?
0: Oh, yeah. And then of course, Stevie Ray called them fruit booties after chasing them off. So we've got some classic 99 insults going backwards and forwards here.
1: Yeah. Uh.
0: After the commercial we come back and Kevin Nash Presents a highlight package He spent hours in the truck preparing With Goldberg, uh, of Goldberg And Sid, Um, I'll splice a little bit Not the whole thing because it goes for a fucking ice age But one of the highlights was Nash saying Look, look, you can see me on the hard camera
3: (laughs) Very short policeman. Look at the gigantic Goldberg Oh, Big Spear Watch me milk the hard camera here. Watch this. Watch me milk the hard camera. Where am I? Where am I? Where am I? Milk the hard camera. Yeah, milk the hard camera. Yeah, milk the... I'm sorry. Goldberg, a man on a mission.
2: Goldberg in action against
3: Horace Hogan this past Monday.
2: You see he gets him up into the air. And there's the jackhammer.
3: Oh. I felt that. That's not... Goldberg on a mission. Halloween Havoc. Boom! Boom! Bill Goldberg, a bald-headed man with a tattoo, who has only lost one time to a fiercer warrior, Mr. Kevin Nash. That's pretty good, ain't how I worked that in there. Mr. <laughs> will you pass me
2: Kevin's water?
3: That's not. Ah, uh, no, yeah,
1: it
2: certainly isn't water.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah, that was great. Um, his narration about this, the the premise of this feud here, was pretty good a man who cannot touch another man.
0: <laughs> oh, um, my God.
1: Yeah, like you're saying, he was talking about, milk for hard camera, milk for hard camera. And at which point, Larry inquires, will you pass me Kevin's water? And Nash <laughs> admits, it's not water. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Tanae, Tanae's verdict was, shades of mystery science theatre.
0: <laughs> it was out. Uh... It was going off the rails quite badly by this point.
1: <laughs> yeah, that wasn't the only recap that we got. We also got clips of Rey Mysterio and Perry Saturn wrestling on Nitro, and there was a really cool top rope Rana from Rey. Could do with more of that tonight. Um Douglas tried to attack with a chain, but Malenko stopped it and so Kidman came out and protect Rey. And we're getting the rematch tonight.
0: Excellent, something to look forward to. Totally, but don't worry, things are about to pick up here because we've got our next match, and we finally get some star power and some high quality wrestling. It's Horace Hogan versus Brian Adams. <laughs> <sighs> just, they just don't even care. It's terrible. Um, Horace hits a DDT, and then I'm not ashamed to admit that my next notes say I actually slightly dozed off and stopped watching. I have no idea what happened in this match. Um, We get Brian Adams no selling a suplex, then a Horace second rope clothesline, a press slam and a backbreaker from um, Adams before Horace hits a neckbreaker and a splash, but Brian Adams hits an awfully botched looking pile driver for a two. So I just, at this point, my eyes were rolling in the back of my head.
1: I don't know, I think this was a slight step up for the nonsense we've had so far, because at least there were actual wrestling moves in this, even if, you know, they weren't laid out all that coherently or executed all that coherently. Although to be fair, there was a nice tilt a whirl backbreaker. Um I think it was Adams that did it. But then that kinda of got negated because Horace low-blowed out of a backslide attempt and there was no DQ, so you know, there you go, the refs not caring. Tonight at all,
0: I'd I'd rather watch Shotgun Saturday Night than Thunder. At this point, like it's um, it's it's just become blatantly obvious at this point in time that nothing is going to happen on these shows, and no stars want to work the show. So why should anyone bother watching it?
1: Oh, I can't remember where it came up, but like they basically had to write all at once Nitro and two weeks of Thunder, so they literally had to book Thunder like nothing important would happen because it would fuck up Nitro in the next week.
0: Yeah, it's terrible. Um, and then another strange decision. Gene brings out Lash LaRue. Even the commentary team make note here if he's had a match, and now he's getting promo time. Um, big opportunity for him here. Um, Kevin Nash queries who's booking, and <laughs> Lash LaRue's promo is awful. The Cajun sensation that's sweeping the nation! <laughs>
1: The fans seemed to respond to him when he went into French. Um, What was that? Oh, yeah, and one of the fans was in a really good Wolfpack
3: Sing cosplay as well. Oh, thank you very much, Mean G. You'll be seeing a lot more of the 22-year-old Cajun sensation that's sweeping the nation, you know what I mean? All right, here's the raging Cajun, Lash LaRue.
0: And Lash LaRue, I want to punch my screen every time he... Draws over his L-shaped sideburns like we can't see they're two oh. big fucking L's you idiot you don't need to do it 46 <laughs> times in 5 minutes we get it you have an L on the side of your face in case you forget your fucking initials
1: I told you LaRue shape sideburns
0: <laughs> this is just awful um, Oh, this promo just about summed it up for me
2: <laughs> <gasps> Mattingly! I thought I told you to trim those sideburns
1: go home, you're off the team for good! Fine You're right, it's totally arse backwards isn't it? Because I don't think he was all that over when he wrestled and then he came out here and yeah alright the promo was crap but the people seemed a little bit more on slide with him than when he wrestled so swap the segments around and you might get two turds making a Crap sandwich instead of a... I don't know. Um, crap finger buffy?
0: <laughs> oh, just give him the 30-second interview after the match and don't bother making me watch his entrance twice would be an upgrade.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, then we go for some real star power. It's a video package on Brad Armstrong and Berlin.
1: Uh, yeah, it started with the exact same clip of... Um, Berlin and Armstrong from last week and then it's uh, revealed they're fighting at Halloween Havoc and um, we've shown them on Nitro, Berlin and his still unnamed bodyguard cost Brad a match against Hennig um, they jumped Brad from behind again but Brad stole Berlin's cane but then the heels interrupted his match with Parker too
0: The stealing of the cane whilst on the floor was the only interesting part of that whole segment
1: I don't really get what they were going for there.
0: No. And then we go to Prince Ikea versus Berlin. Oh, my God. A Berlin slap, a Prince Ikea dropkick, and a Thez press. A Berlin backbreaker and a back suplex leads to a slugfest. Slam by Ikea and an ugly Samoan drop before we get a power slam from Berlin. Lifts him up off the pin. No one thought it was going to be over anyway, so it had no heat. Snap suplex lifts him up th- off the pin. Again, no one thought a basic snap suplex was going to end the match. And then the wall gets in one punch from the outside, and we get a neck breaker from Berlin for the three in a match that lacked any heat or interest of any kind.
1: Yeah, utterly unmemorable. Alex Wright can wrestle on his day, but if he's going through this gimmick change and you want to put him over, why on earth would you put him in there with
0: Prince? Yeah, just, like, I, I don't mind Alex Wright, um, and I get they want him to be a bit more of a serious character, which, again, I'm fine with, but, yeah, this is just boring and dull. If you actually want to get him over, put him in there with someone decent, not Prince Ikea.
1: For mm. one thing that was notable from this, when Berlin had his entrance, they had a pretty decent filter and, like, a frame rate change when he was coming out, Which, you know, at least it's something that sets him apart. Everybody else tonight has been very kind of uniform. Oh, they just come out of the ring and, yeah, they're just there.
0: Yeah, totally. We then get a video package on Meng. This is probably the first thing on the night I enjoyed because I like me a bit of Meng slash Haku. And he's taking on Luther Biggs, brought out by Coach Buzz Stern. And at least I got excited by the fact that Luther Biggs was about to get his shit kicked in. (laughs) yeah that
1: package shot but effective i don't know about all the slow-mo um noises though
0: yeah yeah a little bit too much uh this is very quick ends with the tongue and death grip the coach comes in he also gets put down with the tongue and death grip and kevin nash of course makes us all seem silly for suspending our disbelief and says come on guys nobody gets beat after having a sweet video package like that
1: Oh, yeah, that's, that's true, yeah. Gotta go all Inside Baseball on and see ya. Um, Yep, yeah, total squash. Totally alright with that. My uh, two notes here are Tony mentioned Biggs's debut from two weeks ago and said it was less than auspicious. Too bloody right. And Meng's music is far too cra- tranquil for such a killer presence.
0: Yeah, Absolutely.
1: What do you think about the death grip as a finisher as well?
0: I don't mind it. Um, it's weird seeing him lock it in and then get the pin from it. Like, I, I, yeah. I think if, if the guy would slowly go down to a knee and, you know, fade, I'm okay. But, like, they almost, like, the second he gets it in, the will lie flat on their back and go unconscious. And I just think, like, if you were going to flat back, like, surely the guy will lose his grip. Like, he obviously can't hold you by, like, the fat on your neck as you fly through the air. So it just, yeah, like, I don't I don't mind it, but I think it's not sold very well in this match.
1: Mm, yeah, I understand that. I feel like some people would think it's a bit too Star Trek or something, like he's like Spock, but for me, a good finisher is one that you can hit on any opponent from anywhere, and that hits it perfectly.
0: Yeah. Um. I then... Genuinely look forward to something. It's Saturn versus Rey Mysterio, as we said before. Um, This gets off to a good quick start. Um, Rey Mysterio flips out of a German suplex uh, and lays the foundation for WCW Revenge on the Nintendo 64. (laughs) He hits a nice dropkick and the Rough Rider, a.k.a. the Bronco Buster. um, A springboard moonsault gets him a two and then a nice somersault plancher over the top rope. Saturn hits a pair of T-bones, which Nash refers to the second one as the Sirloin. (laughs) <laughs> he, he works on the arm a little bit And it's at this point in the night For about the 14th time Because Hacksaw Jim Duggan's finisher Was the old glory knee drop Every time someone does a move Kevin Nash's If Hacksaw did that move It'd be the old glory such and such And it's at this point that I'm like Kevin Nash you have wound me up Good and proper for over an hour now um, It's time to rate your commentary on the Hamalog scale And I'm giving it a <laughs> solid 8 out of 10 He was an absolute dipshit on this show And this is coming from someone That actually likes Kevin Nash
1: I'll be honest, I was kind of the opposite. I was bored of it all night until Perry Saturn did the elbow drop and he went, Oh gory elbow drop and that's the first time it actually kinda of popped me.
0: <laughs> uh, we'll have to agree to disagree on this one. <laughs> um, Ray hits a nice drop kick to the knee before Saturn hits a belly in the belly and then a full Nelson suplex. Ray comes back with a head scissors and Saturn blocks the Rana from the top rope that you mentioned finishing the previous match uh, into a powerbomb for a two. Um, a top rope powerbomb only getting a two count on Thunder. I maybe didn't love that. Um, Ray then picks up the win with like a flipping roll up. Um, but yeah, really enjoyable match. But yeah, I think kicking out of a top rope powerbomb on Thunder is a bit much for my liking.
1: Mm, yeah, I-, I suppose we see a lot more of that um, in this day and age, but f- finally some top quality wrestling in the fun match that wheelbarrow block into the full Nelson suplex that you described was one of my favorite spots just filled with quality counters back and forth and a great energy.
0: Absolutely. Some really good suplexes from Taz from, Taz, from Saturn throughout as well. I um, really enjoyed it. Um, Satin then nails Ray Mysterio and the referee with a double clothesline and gets a chain and nails Ray with the chain before going up for the top rope elbow. Um, there's a bit of a storyline with the um, revolution and chain usage recently. Shane Douglas has been doing it a lot, and Dean Malenko has been unhappy with it. So continuing the split with the revolution here, I guess.
1: Yeah, so I, again sets us apart from the rest of the night where nothing else mattered. Here, you've got some actual storyline development. You know, you're starting to see... I think uh, last week we were, we had the, the kind of group promo. It was like the last week or the week before um, where Douglas was kind of making out that he was going to try and make amends, but he's still kind of sticking with the underhanded stuff. And now we're getting to see which members of the revolution actually agree with that
0: absolutely from here we go to our main event which is lex luger and rick steiner taking on the parker and buff bagwell main event anywhere in the country um they start with an outside brawl but the bells rung, but the referee just lets them all brawl along the outside and then when two of them get back in the ring the other two continue just to brawl on the outside to no consequence so um continuing that theme you've mentioned about the referees doing nothing Um, Rick Steiner hits a backdrop and a clothesline Leparka hits a drop kick and then hot tag to Buff who cleans house Leparka picks up a chair that he left in the middle of the ring from the entrance but Buff comes off the ropes and hits him with a blockbuster and then just leaves and we go off the air with no explanation or finish to the match whatsoever so a nothing show didn't even deliver its main event which wasn't exactly star stutter to begin with so um, what do you think about this ending Duncan?
1: I don't know, where the fuck were they going with this? Because, like, they've doubly screwed themselves over here because, as I've talked about a few times, it's a double taping. Bagwell and Luger basically appear to be the only stars around on this taping, and they got a headline the next episode of Thunder as well. But they've totally screwed themselves over here because Bagwell's, like, healed out on his partner, and now... You're going to have, like, about an hour and a half later, he's going to wrestle Lex again, and it's supposed to be, like, the plain old baby face. How's that going to work?
0: Yeah, It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Yeah, totally.
1: And like you say, the, the rules going out of the window as well. Rick threw Parker's chair at him at one point. No DQ. I'd much rather we got some more, Oh, glory, Steiner lines!
0: Yeah, just... What's <laughs> up? I'd just rather anything but what this show delivered. (laughs) Literally anything. (laughs) I'd I'd rather watch Home and Away or something, honestly. It was just awful.
1: Oh, jeez. I mean, to be honest, in that main event, when it was Rick and Parker in there, it, it was all right. But yeah, fuck that finish. Just to gain some perspective here... So when I make my notes, I put scores on all the matches. I, I don't tend to mention them on the podcast. It's just like an internal note. So that I have some kind of framework in my head for like what I prefer or not. But I feel like it's worth mentioning all the ratings that I have for this show. Please. Cause, Jesus Christ. Right. Buddy Lee and Jim Duggan, dud. Al Green and Lash LaRue, one out of ten. Armstrong's in the first family one out of ten. <laughs> Horace and Brian Adams, two out of 10. Prince and Berlin one and a half. Biggs and Meng squash. Saturn and Mysterio six out of 10. Good match. And then the main event Steiner in the package against Bagwell and the Parker two and a half.
0: Jeez, it what a take, total shit show! It, it doesn't take Steiner maths to know that that Saturn and Ray match nearly outdid the rest of the show <laughs> combined. <laughs> yeah, oh. the
1: numbers don't lie and they spell disaster for you at Sacrifice.
0: <laughs> they spell disaster for us at the Aurora's Nitro podcast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what a shitshow. Um, it, it's, it's shows like this that legitimately make me want to question why I have a podcast. <laughs> Oh, okay. i know i've said that a few times over the years but um it's normally true um and this is coming from someone who went and watched every 1989 pay-per-view over the last two weeks because i have been that bored and i still couldn't find the time to stomach this thunder oh my god uh, anyway with thunder down it's time to go to half time and I thought this week for halftime Duncan, we might just have a little chat about a few films that have wrestling as the premise of them and just, you know, throw backwards and forwards, any films you can think of that, that are based around or involve wrestling. So some obvious ones, um, rumble, fighting with my family, no holds barred, um, I'm sure there's another couple off the top of my head, but um, and anything that, that you think are worth mentioning and, and your thoughts on a few of these.
1: Fighting with my family, I remember seeing that. I got into a preview screening, actually, so I didn't even have to pay for it, and I really enjoyed it because I also watched the original Channel 4 documentary on Paige's family that it was based on. The links are kind of, like, not... Really there, but it's kind of crazy to me how it was Florence Pugh playing Paige and now she's probably one of the biggest stars in Hollywood.
0: Yeah, and um, I- I'm still thrown by Zelina Fager playing AJ Lee.
1: Yeah, that that's where it kind of like lost you a bit. Like it's 2014 Raw, but it looks exactly the same as 2017 Raw. And everything's all kind of mixed up. But like as a continuity buff, that kind of like, uh, okay, don't know what you're going for here.
0: Probably bugged you more than me, because everything from 2012 to 2022 looks the same in my eyes.
1: (laughs) The other big one for me is The Wrestler, the Darren Aronofsky film with Mickey Rourke. I went and saw that in the cinema by myself
0: when it came out. Wow yeah I don't think
1: I've ever been to the cinema on my own. I did it a fair bit just after my PhD finished. Um, like if there's ever like a movie that just a bit too divergent from what the rest of my mates were interested in. I'm like well I'm not gonna miss out on it here. So I remember uh, one time I watched the Nick Cave film. Oh God! What was it called now? Not Stranger Than Kindness. It was like a, like a, kind of stylized documentary about making one of his albums, and then he had like imagined conversations with some of his peers, like, um, what well, I mean, like, like the the people were actually having a conversation with him, but the premise was like this was like in his head, and helping him build context for his album.
0: Say. So- okay <laughs> but yeah I, uh, I i definitely enjoyed the wrestler very well worth a watch fighting with my family is actually now like a big favorite of my daughter she's watched it about four or five times um we did go a month without the internet and we have that on dvd though so you know put that into context when i say she's watched it four or five times um, no internet in this day and age is a bit of a killer um <laughs> <laughs> and the two biggies at some point i'm going to review them head-to-head no holds barred and Reddit or rumble but um both guilty pleasures of mine. Terrible, terrible films, but boy, do I enjoy watching them.
1: I so I was a WCW fan at the time of to Rumble being a thing, and I had no clue that that's why David Arquette was on WCW TV. I just thought he was just there, just you know, just because.
0: David Arquette versus Zeus. We should have booked that.
1: <laughs> and. To be fair, the next year when Eight Legged Freaks came out in the cinema, my dad was like, Hey, do you want to go and see this? I'm like, former WCW up champion David Arquette, oh, oh yeah, I'm watching this.
0: <laughs> did he did his job then?
1: <laughs> yeah, somewhere in the dark corner of the internet Rousseau was just like, see bro, I was
0: justified,
1: bro, I swear to
0: god. <laughs> Nobody got it but me. It's about the casual audience. (laughs) We got on page seven
1: of the USA Today, bro. It was worth it.
0: (laughs) Vince, give me a job. I swear to God, I can still (laughs) book. I'd never work for him again. Give me a job. Never work for him again. Give me a job. Like Vince (laughs) Russo, like it's just divulging into madness in front of our eyes. (laughs)
1: And then at the opposite end of the scale Spike TV telling Dixie Don't work with him again Dixie's like, okay, I'll work with him again Don't work with him again Okay, I'll work with him again
0: (laughs) The man just sends everybody mad around him Yeah (sighs) Alright, so Films um, Surrounding wrestling, a good selection there If you've got any others, um, send them in And we'll chat about them next time around Get that from
3: Hey Vince. What do hey you Mark? read? Steph, nice, what's up? You like to read? I, I wrote a book. It's coming out October 20th. You're all over. Nick, what do you want? Well, I don't want to waste your time, Vince, but I just want you to know that in my opinion, it's time. I'm sorry. It's to, time to repay the favor I did you last week. Nick, I don't remember you doing me any favor. <laughs> Come last on, week. don't give me that. Remember when I was talking to you and you told me to leave you the hell alone, and I did? Well, now it's time to repay. You see, I want one more night. No, no, I think we all want one more night of the rock and sock connection together again, the way it's supposed to be. I mean, let's face it, this is Birmingham, Alabama. It's rock and sock country. <laughs> We're crying out loud, the whole world is rock and sock country, Vince. It's a marketer's dream between Rock's younger demographic, mankind bringing in the ladies. It's it's something we all need. Did you hear that pop when we went out there last week? It's unbelievable. So all I'm asking for you is just book the match. That's all I ask. One more time. It's okay with me, okay? But but I don't think you have a very willing partner. (laughs) Believe me, The Rock wants this thing worse than I do. This'll be a piece of cake. You made it happen that's why you are what you are hey, <laughs> thanks good luck to you <laughs> thanks vince
0: i've got work to do with halftime out the way, uh, it's time for SmackDown. Um, as you will have heard on the intro there, uh, we start out with Mick Foley interrupting Vince and Stephanie, asking for a Rock and Sock reunion one more time um, before heading into the opening video package, Pyro, um, and basically the, the, the usual 99 mass hysteria opening of SmackDown. So Foley mm-hmm. playing Vince off to get another team up with The Rock against his will. What did you think about that, Duncan? Yeah, it was
1: good stuff. He but he just wanted another title shot and he was much more polite about it than Bulldog was. Yeah, fair. Um, <laughs> um, I loved it. Um, Mick was like, Birmingham, Alabama is rock and sock country. Hell, the whole world is rock and sock country. Rock brings in the young people. Mankind brings in the ladies.
0: <laughs> uh, folly. Um, some good folly comedy in this show
1: oh yeah totally and then he nicked one of vince's candies from the platter when he was leaving
0: yeah um some notable signs during the entrance which i found funny one just said kyle so hello kyle and another one one said triple h sucks which i found it ironic that i spotted both of those and and then just a random confederate flag so what yeah good weird mix Um, we start with the new age outlaws coming out. And as I say, every week the the crowd loves their routine. Um, they lay down an open challenge, but triple H comes out. And if you were watching around this time, you'll know what I'm talking about with the bruised battered face from the snake bite. Um, he basically comes out and says, I'm not looking to fight. Like I'm, I'm not well. And the outlaws just give him the ring to basically leave for him. He calls out Vince, um, tells him he's going to quit. And he wants to give stone cold the belt. And, it's a bit of a bizarre segment with him just sort of walking off sad that he's going to retire and quit and blaming Vince and Austin for ruining his career.
1: It is strange, and it was a rather strange segue too. I liked how Billy was talking about how they're facing the big shots, the hardcore Hollies. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not too, it's not too a bob.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the hardcore Hollies. That's brilliant. Because <laughs> Crash is the hardcore legend, so it would make sense soon.
1: Well, yeah, and you uh, remember that time he was wrestling in trunks that said Harkah Holly as well?
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, right up there with Undertaker forgetting his pants and wearing the Godfathers. Oh, God, yeah, that's
1: legendary. Um, yeah, Triple H, you know, he's talking about he didn't want to be a cheap thrill seeker, and that's what the business has boiled down to. It's, it's what prosthetic, pr- pr- prosthetic comments. Um, Vince finally came out to no chance.
0: Oh uh, Yeah, okay, I didn't take a note of that at all.
1: Yeah, and uh, he seems to be rather heavy on the Just For Men this evening. <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, Vince looking dapper as always. <laughs>
1: totally. Uh, the, Triple H closing, saying that Vince screwed himself out of the, the main event on Sunday, I thought it was interesting considering where Triple H sits in the whole screw job timeline.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, good inside reference, but not Kevin Nash inside for Rose Rosette. <laughs>
1: um,
0: coming out of this segment, Kane bumps into X-Park, who's arriving late, um, but Kane tells him, Sean, stay out of this. So bit of a bit more insider stuff there. Um, and we go to Kane versus the Acolytes.
1: <laughs> or as Lillian Garcia pronounced him, V.
0: <laughs> Lillian having a shocker
1: <laughs>
0: yeah I guess so
1: hey no wonder no wonder Kane's in a uh, shoot mode he's having to face Bradshaw <laughs>
0: yeah fair um, Acolytes start with some double teaming uh, Bradshaw comes off the top rope into a power slam by Kane follows it up with a top rope clothesline before Farouk chop blocks him um, they double team him with the stairs but he does fight back into a slam on Bradshaw um, but and then a clothesline on Farouk before Bradshaw nails it with the clothesline from hell. Um, they hit a. The, the, on the video games, it was called the 3DB, you know, like that back suplex neck breaker combo. Um, then they hit a spike powerbomb for a two, but they hit him with a second spike powerbomb, and this one does put him down with a double pin for the one, two, three. X pac comes out with a chair to stop them going to any more damage afterwards. Um, this was a bit of a bit of an interesting one i'm not I, I didn't love kane eating a pinfall on smackdown even if it is to the acolytes and definitely two on one they should be able to beat it but it just yeah they're definitely not worried about kane's aura of invincibility anymore by 99
1: i get that but it kind of fits in with the direction x-pack wants to um taking him like you know, they're trying to get across that x-pack is sort of humanizing him and it, you know, there's benefits to that in how he's going to fit into society, but then you know, there's also the negatives around it too, where, okay, he's going to come across as a little more fallible. I loved X-Pac warping Bradshaw in the head with a chair, by the way.
0: <laughs> I bet you did.
1: <laughs> I thought this was a decent Hoss match. The The star of this was the APA's double teams, especially that assisted power bomb that you mentioned the one area where it lost me was I didn't understand why Kane didn't go in for the kill after he hit that chokeslam.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A little bit strange, but, um, overall good segment helps advance the storyline. Um, and you're right, it does humanize Kane. I just, I, I think my preference probably would have been he kicks out of the first power bomb, So they just hit him with a chair or something and get DQ'd.
3: Mm.
0: Mick Foley then bumps into Stevie, who's dressed as dude love trying to be Mick Foley's best friend, but he can't be his best friend because the rock's his best friend. And, um, <laughs> This one's a little lame for my liking, if, even if it does make you chuckle a little bit.
1: <laughs> I love this kind of human centipede of delusion here. Mick thinks Rock is his best friend and Stevie thinks Mick is his best friend.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, we just need meaning to come in and think Stevie's his best friend and carry on the circle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Michael PS Hayes is then with Test, um, who cuts a really wooden, I'll splice a bit of it in here but um this was pre-produced <laughs> and they should have had another go at this one
3: how are you able to deal with this situation between Stephanie and the bulldog bulldog Michael I can't even hear that freaking name without getting off but Steph doesn't want to be the cause of any violence so what can I do man I just got to put her first before everything no matter what I just hope she can recover. We can get married and go on with our lives. But, Michael, I'll tell you this. Steph may have forgiven the bulldog. But I never will.
1: <laughs> if, if this is a test, he, he kind of flunked it,
0: eh? <laughs> yeah, test, test. You failed the test.
1: Isn't it kind of weird? So I was just thinking about this while I was checking through my notes again this morning. A lot of times when you're looking at old wrestling shows you end up thinking about oh, okay, who's who's still with us and you know you get a bit depressed at the, the the kind of the toll that wrestling's taking on its participants. Test and Bulldog are the first people out of this show who are no longer with us.
0: Yeah, I remember that Bulldog was one that hit me especially hard. Um it was and, and it wasn't all that you know, that many years after Owen Hart, and it just felt like, oh, like, you know, Brett's career-ending injury, Owen died, Bulldog died. It really felt like that family was cursed when the Bulldog went. Um, yeah, so that was a big one that hit me. And Test just seemed, like, younger than most of the guys going. I know we, we lost a few guys around that, you, the similar age, like Eddie Guerrero, Benoit, obviously. But Test seemed especially young to have died when he did.
1: No, totally. Yeah, the the Bulldog one caught me kind of off guard because I'd only really started getting into wrestling like maybe like three years by the time he he sadly passed away. So, like, he felt like a, a figure from the past, but I don't think I really got the context of, like, he was still really, really young and could have, you know, like... Helped out the business Like If you think about the people that were That are the Bulldog's age When he passed away now And are in really prominent spots In major shows And major promotions It's crazy to think how much more he could have Given the wrestling business If he hadn't have um, Hit hit, hit, um, him Like an ill spot In his life
0: Yeah it's such a shame The Bulldog is one of the ones that went way way too soon yeah. Um, Jericho brawls uh, We see Jericho brawling with Mr Hughes um, I didn't realise these two had a breakup like this um, uh, This time period Most of the stuff happening is, is burned In my memory but that one certainly was lost on me um, We then go from that To Mick Foley telling The Rock That Vince McMahon's ordered them to team up And that was pretty funny It got a good chuckle out of me
1: Don't you want to know who we're teaming up against?
0: <laughs> okay sure
1: it's, It doesn't matter who it is
0: <laughs> really really good banter between foley and the rock yeah. we then find out smackdown is brought to us by road rash 64 for the nintendo 64 and this definitely dates the show now
1: oh wow i didn't realize it took them that long to do a revival of it
0: yeah absolutely um and we're going to chris jericho versus mr hughes um mr hughes is where he's coming out to like circus music i couldn't figure out the the logic behind that but sure, Um, they brawl on the floor, Howard Finkel comes out and distracts Hughes, allowing Jericho to get a low blow and use a chair for a three Jericho then hits a promo cutting down Hughes and dumping the Fink all in one hit, which I'll splice in here for you
3: Take it easy baby Hughesy Baby Hughesy? There's no need to be embarrassed after you were destroyed fairly and squarely by the toughest and meanest man in the World Wrestling Federation. Fairly and squarely, fairly and squarely, I like it. I mean, you've always known that I am one bad mama (laughs) jammer.
2: Yeah, we get it. Look at Howard, the cheerleader.
3: I mean, that's why you decided to ride on my coattails. But even though you will never, ever (laughs) work with Y2J again. Out of the goodness of my heart, I'm going to give you a farewell gift. Uh Uh-oh. A gift? I told you he's big-hearted. Considering that you're a bona fide loser in the game of life, Wow. I'm going to give you a bona fide loser of a consolation prize that's worth almost as much as a set of encyclopedias. Uh Uh-oh. I'm going to give you... Mr. Harold Finkel. What? <laughs> That's right. Just think of the connotations. Finkel and Hughes. Hughes and Finkel. Oh, I... I mean, if there was ever two idiots who were perfect for each other, it's you two idiots. Look at, Finkel doesn't like it, but... I'm, I'm sure you'll form a connection of ebony and ivory that will dominate for and years. and, and ivory? And besides all that, I've seen the way that you two look at each other in the dressing room. Uh-oh. And I know that you want to be together forever. And now it's all come true, courtesy of y 2
0: <laughs> And yeah, just a, I think, a, a separation of Jericho from his cronies here to let him get out on his own.
1: Yep. Two idiots, perfect for each other. Ebony and Ivory. <laughs> Curtis loved this well. but um Fink didn't really seem to. Um yeah, Hughes had cast Jericho a match with The Rock. That's kind of if you think about Jericho, he was debuting in a segment with The Rock and now he's stuck with this crap that you know he, he's finally gonna move on from here about time. Um and they were on a losing streak on Raw going into this. But yes, get get Jericho away from the goose, please.
0: Yeah. Um, we then go into JR and the Big Show talking about Big Show's dad having cancer. Um, and this is my dick move of the week. Uh, just awful, awful stuff that has no place in wrestling.
1: So you know the legitimate story about Big Show's
0: dad? Um, not off the top of my head. I'm sure I've heard it before, but my memory is failing me here
1: he legitimately died many, many years before they decided to do this angle. And this is all just a, oh, get Big Show motivated thing. Um, so, you know, he's talking about, oh, he's not got much time left on the clock and he, he wants to really inspire his dad. And it's really weird seeing them do this, like, oh, the Big Show, he needs to live up to his potential kind of storyline, Um, considering how many times they'd revisit it the slightly less um inappropriate circumstances shall we say
0: yeah this just just flat out sucks like i don't want to hear about this crap when i'm watching wrestling i want to come away from it like jim cornet this is one of the things that i always thought he hit the nail on the head um and he's referring to like the previous year um or earlier this year, when they did the the Terry miscarriage angle, like if people are actually going through those things at home, they just don't want to see wrestling storylines about them.
1: Yeah, totally. You you don't need to manufacture this kind of stuff because you know sometimes some life event could really happen, and you know some people it's it's up to the grieving people to decide how they want to. Play that about. Um, You know, you think about Paul Paul Bearer passing away in the lead up to WrestleMania 29, and that kind of worked out alright in terms of, you know, Paul's family gave them permission, and Undertaker and CM Punk kind of got, um, you know, something that would keep his name prominent in fans' minds while adding some heat to their feud. So, you know, if you have a real life situation to work with, sure, go ahead and negotiate with people who experience it and try and get a sense of how they want to grieve through that. But don't go out of your way to invent some cockamamie bullshit story about the big show's dad when the reality doesn't reflect that.
0: No, it's just um, tasteless and not entertaining. And I don't recall anyone ever saying, oh, you know my favourite angle was when so-and-so had a miscarriage or they were diagnosed with cancer. Like, it's just, it's not entertaining, even if it's tasteless. Like, there's been plenty of tasteless things in wrestling that I've enjoyed. I'm not going to lie, I love the Attitude Era. But this isn't entertaining, so why bother risking upsetting some of your audience?
1: No, I agree. 2004 was a real struggle for me as a fan, and I nearly stop following wrestling because of it and it's no coincidence that a big pl- point that surrounded that year was Kane's whole relationship with Lita and the baby and the miscarriage.
0: Yeah, yeah. Awful, awful stuff. With this with the exception of Snitsky punting the baby into the crowd. That was amazing. It wasn't his fault. Yeah. Like, wasn't his fault. <laughs> but that that was one of my highlights of the year. <laughs> um we then go to the big boss man. Cutting a promo that he's going to win the hardcore title. Um, We go to Mark Henry in therapy with a obvious um, gay therapist. Um, This is just awful again. And if it wasn't for the big shows, dad cancer angle, this would have got the dick move of the week because now they've got a gay therapist cracking onto Mark Henry.
3: Help me, man. I thought about was them the whole time I was there. Mark.
2: I've studied your case, and I definitely think I can help you.
3: Wait a minute. Say that again. I definitely think I can help you. See, you're going to need some help. You, You can't help me at all. No, I'm sorry. Chocolate? No. But sexual.
1: Come back, sexual, please. It's really strange seeing the therapist plead with Mark on the way out. Chocolate! But sexual! Come back!
0: Yeah, referring to him as sexual. That was the only part of the thing that that got me. But sexual! (laughs) (laughs) Like... Oh my
1: god. It's like when Kyle talks about Samoa Joe and calls him
0: Samoa. Yeah, when they, you know, people were trying to get used to CM Punk and trying to refer to him as CM. It just just doesn't work. (laughs) Uh, From there, we go to the Boss Man versus Al Snow and the Big Show for Al Snow's hardcore title. Al Snow and the Boss Man start without the Big Show, um, who does come out eventually and goes all over the Boss Man before Al Snow calls him off with a fire extinguisher. A flying forearm from the Big Show and then a chokeslam on Al through a table, but Boss Man nails the Big Show in the head with a nightstick um, for the 1, 2, 3 and picks up the hardcore title. A bit of a... um, Bit of a shock that one for me, boss man picking up a pinfall on the big show.
1: Yep, wait to kick a man down, uh, you know, kick a man while he's down, I guess.
0: Indeed. Um, Stone Cold's here, we have a commercial break, and then we come back to China crying because Triple H is in need of some serious medical attention. Our next contest is Val Venus taking on... Do love aka Stevie Richards uh, before that Val Venis cuts a promo on Rocco and Mankind and yeah I think it's during this promo and, and this match actually where I'm just thinking yeah Val is a main event it was never going to work like I still think there was a chance with Billy Gunn but Val is definitely not
1: Yeah, it's a slightly awkward transition for keeping him in gimmick while still having a convincing upward trajectory from the mid-card. Like They seem to be sticking with this greatest up-and-coming star in history gimmick. And all right, yeah, fine, nudge, nudge, wink, wink and that, but I I still don't buy it.
0: No, for everything Mick Foley does for Triple H in about three months' time, he does exactly none of that for Val Venus here.
1: Oh boy, yeah.
0: Um, we get a clothesline from Val before Stevie gets a Stevie kick for a two. Val Venus hits a sit-out powerbomb and the money shot for the 1-2-3 in a not-very-competitive matchup.
1: up Yeah, total squash. Um, Mick, like you're saying, um, would actually lose to Val at the pay-per-view after this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Can you believe that? Totally wasted. Um, The big story of this match, though, was Michael Cole morphing into Prime Tony Schiavone and in a 90 second match dropping four that times. Oh, okay. Sit out Powerbomb that time by Val Venus. It's like, oh, Tony, (laughs) give it a rest. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We got a Rocco Ball Claw from Val after the match and then. We see Triple H going out in the ambulance, and Duncan, did you notice the siren for the ambulance was the exact same um, soundbite? That is the Scott Steiner ambulance siren at the start of his WWE uh, music.
1: Ah, oh, yeah, well, I think there's only really one of those that exists. Like, they don't really get any Foley artists in for this. It's just like play ambulance siren dot MP three
0: yeah and i was just like oh big papa pump's here i don't know it's just triple h leaving <laughs> big papa pump coming in in that time could have sent triple h in an ambulance i guess
1: <laughs> it's like when champa came out to a siren i'm just like anytime you play that i'm conditioned to expect steiner just yeah don't do
0: it <laughs> um bulldog cuts a promo on wanting the title and the rock um Edge and Christian watch on the monitor as Terry does a photo shoot covered in nothing but money Um, and then they're attacked by the new brood we go to our Lug's Boot of the Week and it was Jeff Jarrett hitting China with a toaster and I actually I just had a note here I really did enjoy the uh, Good Housekeeping Match storyline
1: Even stashed him in a clothes hamper
0: (laughs) Um, Jeff Jarrett and Kitty then come out they could have cut a promo on The Good Housekeeping Match, but Deborah comes out to tell Jarrett that she believes China will win.
1: There was some bad editing in this segment here. So the ring's full of all the household appliances, and at one point, Jarrett had just finished talking about the coffee maker, and then was suddenly stood in a different part of the ring talking about a broom.
0: Yeah, um, a bit of a weird jump cut there, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. Did
0: you also hear...
1: Cole's least convincing horn dog routine ever.
0: No, I must have missed this one.
1: Deborah came out and he's like, Whoa,
0: puppies. <laughs> yeah, not quite the Jerry Lawler enthusiasm that is it?
1: No. Let let Lawler be the perv and you will know, kind of like contain your um I don't know what, how you'd phrase it, um, mm. ill thought out attitudes to one commentator so that the rest of us can have like a, a normal person talk us through the wrestling, please. <laughs> uh,
0: we then get Kevin Kelly with a Stone Cold Steve Austin promo backstage and I was a bit disappointed in this one for Austin. It was just a real bit of a nothing promo.
1: Yeah, he's in total boom how I'm old to you. Yeah. He mentions, oh, um, he's not sorry for Triple H, he's just surprised the Rattlesnake didn't die. I'm sure some people will... Read into that as like a steroid thing But I think he's just saying that like Triple H Is like a twat
0: Yeah I, I got those like Triple H is poisonous Type thing not yeah. that he's on the roids Or anything like that Um Heaven forbid <laughs> Um We then go to the new brood Taking on Edge and Christian um, The Hardy Boys music With the brood entrance in the Ring of Fire Is very unnerving to me I just don't like it
1: Yeah it's really weird It's It's like someone's mixed up the entrances on on the video games.
0: Yeah, and speaking of video games, and we mentioned on Thunder, um, Rey Mysterio backflipping out of a German suplex. Well, the outfits the Hardys wore in 99 is no mercy through and through. It just takes me straight to that game every time I see 99 Hardys.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Jeff with the red hair, especially. Um, Edge lands on his feet from a monkey flip. Jeff Hardy lands on his feet off of a backdrop. So a cool exchange there. Double-team elbows from the Hardy Boys before Christian hits a three, three amigos with the third one, finishing with a front suplex. Hits a gut buster before Gangrel throws Christian to the steps. Hot-tagged edge. Uh, each team locks in a pin at the same time for three, but somehow the Hardy Boys are awarded the victory and this takes us two-to-two two in the TIT tournament. That's, no, it's like ATM machine, isn't it? In the in T-tournament. The this is the Terry Invitational tournament. Fucking hell.
1: <laughs> uh yeah the, the finish it was a good job teddy long explained it um the Hardy's won because jeff and edge were the legal men although you know if you knew that you shouldn't have counted the stereo pins in the first place
0: yeah yeah that seemed to make no sense to me but um look we needed to get to two and two for what's coming up at no mercy didn't we
1: yeah for sure what did you think of this one uh
0: too short to be of note some good counters and some good reversals but um the fact that in that few-minute match, both teams were worn down enough to be pinned um, just made it a bit hollow for me.
3: Mm,
1: yeah, I think this is, like, what, our third TIT tournament match, and it's probably my least favourite one of what we've seen. Um, it, it was still a clear standard above the rest of the wrestling on this show so far, but there was a point where they were the Hardys had the heat on Christian and they just kind of started to lose track of things and then the dumb finish came into play as well, but it had good energy, I thought.
0: Yeah, it was okay. Just, you know, I think you're right. The weakest of the series so far. It's a box-ticking exercise to get us to the big finale. Yeah. GTV shows as Stephanie McMahon trying to chat to the Bulldog in private. She wants an apology, and the Bulldog goes ape shit and storms out on her. Um, yeah, Stephanie was such a naive, whiny little bitch before her heel turn, wasn't she?
1: Oh, wow. bulldog um i i I will not be referring to her as that word but bulldog insisted on being referred to as david did you catch that
0: yeah that was so weird that was so weird i just oh yeah steph just uh, i don't know like she's too sweet um not too sweet as in too sweet she's it's it's borderline like two-dimensional that she is so goody goody two shoes um her character when she turns heel is phenomenal. I know she's very diverse, but I'd take heel Stephanie for five years over three more months of this goody goody Stephanie for sure.
1: Yeah, I'd totally. You know, um, it was getting to the stage where she was getting more heavily involved in the industry. and needed to do something to fill out her character. At least, you know, this kind of infantilizes her a bit and it's, it's a bit strange.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, there's much, much better things to come from Stephanie. Although even, you know, however many 20 years later, I, I, my heart still breaks for test.
1: Oh, <laughs> um, just before you got that GTV, they showed Billy Gunn warming up for his match and he was doing handstand push-ups to warm up.
0: Yes, yes. I'm not sure how that gets him ready for the match, but sure.
1: Holy fuck! Like, imagine being a human being and being able to do that. Jesus.
0: Yeah, probably not going to give that a go anytime soon. No! <laughs> <laughs> we then go to The Godfather versus Midian, and um, he comes out with Viscera, and The Godfather does what The Godfather does. He offers to either have the match or give the hose, and Midian actually says, Do you have any farm animals? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Yikes! Yeah, um, I my note just says I guess Sonny put him off women for life. Oh, <laughs> uh, they brawl along the outside. Godfather hits a clothesline, a leg drop, and the pimp drop. Um, but the hose hold down viscera's leg as he tries to stop the pin. But he does get in after Godfather's picked up the win and nail Godfather with a belly to belly, a big leg, and a big splash.
1: Hmm. Felt like filler. Um so it's kinda strange when I watched No Mercy after this and that was the opening match for No Mercy as well. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um Before this got kicked off, Cole was mentioning that next Monday on Raw they're gonna be in the Georgia Dome with up to thirty five thousand people. And King quips I think there's thirty five thousand holes out here.
0: Oh Jesus. <laughs> um this is going to be so politically incorrect, but um, going back and watching these shows the Godfather's hoes, like I, as a, you know, I guess a teenager watching these shows always thought it was great. These are often not the most attractive women you could be bringing out on the shows. Oh, I'm being I'm being rough, but like I just yeah I don't know like maybe I'm I'm sure because it goes and gets it from actual clubs and whatnot, but um when you're used to seeing like you know Deborahs and Miss Kitty's, Trish Stratus's and whatnot, like I don't know your random stripper from from the the town you live maybe just doesn't kind of get here.
1: Like oh, 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 I. Have no memories about like any of their actual physical appearances. I'm just like, oh, look, they're all wearing different colored dresses and stuff. Like that—that's what made the image of the Godfather for me. Look like the the like the spectrum of color in his entourage. Like I had no like, at 11 years old or whatever, I had no clue what this yeah. gimmick actually was.
0: Yeah, fair. I was I, I'm a few years older than you, so I would have been, you know. 16 17 around this time whatever it was um so a little bit different thought watching this at the time than you i guess <laughs> it's like
1: like that's the only that's like the first time that i like discovered that um hole was even like a word to describe someone and like i didn't even get that it was a slur because they were just like oh yeah look it's the holes
0: <laughs> you can tell which <laughs> like, one of us grew up listening to rap and which one did not <laughs> <laughs> oh god
1: that's the kind of thing that could uh, get you into trouble being being a wrestling fan and, and it's strange having to talk about this gimmick and like talk about both characters like i know i like i i'm refusing to refer a woman by the b-word but like you can't really describe this gimmick without referring to
0: the characters by their names here <laughs> yeah i mean we're describing what they put in front of us and um i i dare say um, just circling back on that for a minute i dare say i would at a rate of about five to one refer to men as whiny little bitches as much as i do women <laughs> um, there is no sexism intended in that that is a direct shot at stephanie's pathetic character <laughs> Um, but yes, we could um, we could digress from, from insulting the ladies and go back to insulting the men for a while now. <laughs> um, <laughs> Stop fucking idiot of this or if we're going to have a go at anyone. Because oh, they're, Jesus Christ. they're fucking idiots. Yeah, do,
1: do you know Like I've only just put two and two together there. The, the whole have you got any farm animals thing is kind of frightening given what his former gimmick was.
0: Yeah, yeah this is um, <laughs> it's just rancid on every level. <laughs> uh um uh, we hear triple h who left in an ambulance like 10 minutes ago is on his way back to the arena so um that straight away has to say to everyone well this is a gimmick now because like he's not going to go in an ambulance convulsing and they've not even made it to the, the local medical facility before they've turned and come back
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh god we get an ad for 1-800-collect um and i can't even read my own writing here um That is such a staple of this show, isn't it? I do this all the time. (laughs) (laughs) It's
1: the 1-800-collect smack of the night, and it was just Triple H complaining to Vince earlier in the night.
0: Yeah, yeah. Triple H, the whiny little bitch. (laughs) Oh, boy. Um, I tell you what, though, like...
1: It's one of the most difficult tropes to stomach in modern wrestling for week-to-week TV shows for people, and that's the incessant recapping of things that happened earlier in the show. This is the way that you do it. Just quick, like, 30 seconds in and out. You've got a sponsorship deal. You know, you get your sponsor in. You get, oh, yeah, by the way, this was a thing. Bam, out of there. Not like three or four minutes oh in case you weren't here for the first hour oh look at this do you remember do you do you
0: yeah i mean raw took a turn in the like the mid- 2000s 2010 somewhere in that region where they would go to the first commercial and come back and replay what happened in the first segment and that i remember at the time being like no nah, i'm out i can't do this
1: yeah that is kind of strange too
0: Uh, We go to our main event of the evening here, and this match really excited me. I've got to be honest, the New Age Outlaws, my all-time favorite tag team. And I know that's not a common pick, but these guys just had that right mix of personality, and their matches were good. Like they complemented each other's styles. I don't think either of them would have ever been, you know, the the singles wrestler that enthralled me. But something about this combination just, I loved it. And they're taking mm. on The Rock and Sock, two bona fide main eventers for the tag titles. So, um, yeah, I was really pumped for this one.
1: It's kind of the ideal TV match, really. Like, the the personality suit, that kind of wrestling.
0: Definitely. And The Rock is so over here. Um, this is really around the time where you've got to say that he's starting to rival, if not surpass Stone Cold.
1: Oh, God, yeah. The, people went nuts for him. I liked... Mankind's little um, Neil Young reference at the start as well. I miss that. He was singing, Hey, hey, my, my, Rock and Sock will never die.
0: Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The match starts off with a clothesline from Rock and a Billy Gunn neckbreaker for a two-four-man brawl, and there's two referees to break it up, which I found interesting. I don't recall them mentioning that there was going to be two referees until they were both in the ring.
1: Hmm, yeah. Um, I don't remember. Was there any kind of like controversy from earlier title matches or something?
0: No, I just, just popped up at random. So the commentary team made mention of it, but I definitely couldn't recall, unless something happened on Raw, which obviously I've not been watching. So um, who knows? Mankind then um, does his corner blows and his running knee, um, tags, tags in the road dog, um, and he does the road dog Oh, sorry, Mankind doesn't take the Road Dog. He tries the Road Dog's, um, you know, like the Road Dog's signature punches on him, eats a low blow, and then the Road Dog shows him how to do it before hitting the shaky knee and the pump handle um, drop. um,
1: I think you mean the old glory knee
0: drop. (laughs) The old glory shaky knee. Um, (laughs) Yeah,
1: and that uh, is pump handle. It was always called Stretch Armstrong in the games. And yep. it's only really hit me now knowing who his relatives are. That Oh, okay. That's, that's a little inside baseball thing too, as well.
0: Yeah. Um, and sorry, he goes to hit that, but the rock stops in mid bumming is what I meant to, <laughs> to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, that was, to me, that's one of the weirdest things. Like I never understood like why the road dog would bend someone over and dry hump them before hitting his finish it's
1: the late 90s man this this weird there's a certain kind of characters who ramp up the homophobia and then they get as homoerotic as you could possibly imagine
0: I know it's like if if there was ever a period of time where like there was blatant like homophobia in society it had to have been the mid to late 90s because it was like you know you had all the tv shows and you know it was socially acceptable to well i mean it wasn't but it seemed to be at the time like especially with the kids like everybody used those slurs as an insult and these guys on tv like they were not above like we talked about before you know the use of the term fruit booty wrestlers were not above accusing each other of being gay but then I've got another wrestler, I've got a hold of him, let me give him a quick bumming, like I just I don't understand what they're going for at all, or Valvinus, let me just cradle your balls after the match. Oh
1: god, <laughs> yeah.
0: So confusing, we're dealing, like, as a teenager here, I'm dealing with so many, like, emotions I'm not ready to process, I just have no idea what's going on in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, getting back to what is a really good match Billy Gunn with a pile driver for a two. Mankind hits a hot tag, The Rock, who cleans house. Um, we get a rock, rock bottom on Billy Gunn before Road Dog makes a save. We get Soko, which leads to a ref bump. A famous uh, from Billy Gunn, but Crash and Hardcore come out, nail Billy Gunn, and Mankind is allowed to pick up the pin for the 1-2-3, winning the tag titles, and The Rock is unhappy. That one was a bit of a (laughs) head-scratcher, like surely when he came out for a tag title match he hoped to win, Uh, but he's unhappy because the realisation has set in that he's now stuck teaming with Mick Foley at least one more time.
1: <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look too happy to be lumbered with Mick again. Um, it's, it's a strange kind of thing that you know you've got this aloofness going on when you get to No Mercy. He doesn't come out with his title at all, and Mick does. And like, I wonder how that would be perceived in modern wrestling circles.
0: Oh, and it'd be overanalyzed on Twitter to the umph degree before the match he's in was finished. Mm. So there's a, there's a segue for you before we wrap up SmackDown. Has Twitter made wrestling better or worse, Duncan?
1: Huh. Um. I feel like... Uh, hmm. That's quite a conundrum. Because you get some people who insist that it's exactly the same thing as all the forums in the 90s. Oh, no, you can't possibly talk about the evolving nature of wrestling on the internet if you were a member of a forum on... In like 1999 fuck's sake um i feel like it affects the like news cycle of wrestling so it's it makes it harder to keep things fresh but you know i i, I have fun with it um i i like having conversations with like-minded people it's the way Sometimes people who aren't like-minded don't know how to get their point across that kind of like turns it into an argument rather than a conversation that makes it a bit less attractive, I guess.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of on the fence on this one myself. Like, on one hand, I think it's made wrestling seem a lot less cool to me. Like, I remember being in high school and the WWF first WCW argument was like, you know, reasonably cool popular people in your school having this debate and now it's like the absolute dregs of society commenting on everything AEW or everything WWE depending on which side of the fence they're on I'm, I've interacted with some people recently where after a couple of tweets I'm like oh, why am I speaking to you and like you see which whichever company they're for or against everything that their company does is perfect, and it's like, well, no, it can't be because wrestling's mm-hmm. about a tenth as popular as it was ten years ago, or twenty years ago. So no, it's not. Or everything the other company does sucks. It's like, well, no, that's not true either. Like you know, or they'd be out of business if everything sucked. It and it just it sucks the life out of me reading all that. But the flip to that is someone who has really tuned out of mod wrestling. Like I love being able to see little bite-sized clips and it keeps me interested somewhat enough to, to read up and stay in tune with it. Like I'm a huge fan of um, the acclaimed just because of the, the opening raps that I watch on Twitter every week. I'd never miss one of those. Um, don't have access to watch dynamite over here. Um, or I probably do if I pay for another subscription just to watch it, which I'm not going to do. Uh, but yeah, watching their, their battle raps at the start of every show takes me back to John Cena's early gimmick. And I really enjoy that. So, you know, things like that, that, a team that I never would have heard of if it wasn't for Twitter.
1: Oh, they're a great act. Um, Bowens seems to be the one that's going to really be the star as a in-ring performer. But I'm really relieved that th- there was one point um, Caster said something really reprehensible in one of his raps. Um oh, it was took about- things a little bit too far and... Um, people were kind of uh, a bit nervy about it and it looked like he was going to just throw his toys out of the pram and quit wrestling and i'm so glad that he didn't and the right people got in his head and he figured out how to tweak it and find his line and it's really made the act really really so much better and yeah they're a total highlight you look at when they were uh, the Jacksonville show and they got a little bit of a pop from the, like the really hardcore in the crowd. I think there's potential for them to be big uh, baby faces.
0: Yeah, I agree completely. And then, you know, hopefully many years of tagging together and then the eventual split should be good as well. Mm. Um, skipping back to SmackDown, um, China helps Triple H backstage into Stone Cold Steve Austin's room, but it's all a trick. Uh, he nails him with a belt and we get a beat down as he rips his prosthetics off to end the show. So, um, the main event and the final angle, what are your thoughts on both of those, Duncan?
1: Um, the, the closing angle we'll get to, because it's like, just the quickest bit, um, seems a little bit too, um, slapdash, you know, for all the hype that it got. It's just like, oh, you yeah um shit um we need to remind people that the the main event's actually going ahead and we've only got 90 seconds oh well um so that (laughs) that that was a a bit uh bit of a miss in my book the main event was the best match on the card um i've Favoured it over the TIT match. They kept the crowd really invested. There were very few dips in the action. It was just lots of fun, with the only downer being that the Hollies have seemingly intentionally screwed themselves out of a title shot.
0: Yeah, it doesn't make any sense, does it?
1: No. Why? Just. <sighs> wrestlers are so stupid.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. Okay, so SmackDown is a wrap. Uh, we've done both shows. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say I hated Thunder with a passion and therefore I give all five ratings to SmackDown and will not entertain the idea that Thunder had a single redeeming quality. Over to you, Duncan, for your ratings. <laughs>
1: um, like, the closest cut one technically would be ring workers, like... Thunder had the best match out of both shows, but um, SmackDown was... It kind of dipped in a few places, but, you know, we've got this pattern going on. It does not take SmackDown very long to warm up and match and exceed the quality of Thunder in the ring, and the acolyte squash was pretty serviceable. And then the two tag team matches were also a bit of alright and you know, significantly better than the shite that we got. So, I'm also going to put all of my five points towards SmackDown too.
0: Well, there we have it. That's got to be a first where both of us just totally annihilate one show and hand everything to the other. Um, but if it was ever deserved, it was these two episodes. Um, Thunder was just god-awful. And I think you're right. SmackDown, <laughs> like, did go up and down a little bit. And it's not like it was an all-time-up, but like, even, you know, I, I think the the way the crowd was so into the main event here probably put it on par with the Saturn and Rey match. Um, Saturn and mm-hmm. ray match clearly has the best work rate, but I'm not a work rate only kind of guy. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to watch fucking Hacksaw Jim Duggan for leisure ever in my <laughs> life. <laughs> but, but like, I want to mix. And it's the same with wrestling, you know, in In general, like I want someone that can get on the mic, but then also can do something in the ring. I want to be an entertaining story, not just like, you know, I never got into Ring of Honor because it was just, you know, straight up wrestling, but I don't want cartoony crap either. Like I just want that healthy mix. And I think when wrestling's in its sweet spot, that's what you get.
1: No, I totally get that. And, you know, still in Ray and Saturn's favour, they also have the most storyline development out of anything on Thunder as well. True. It's not like um like I agree, it can't match the charisma levels of SmackDown's main event, which was their best match. But you know, it wasn't just like they were totally relying on work rate to, to get you invested.
0: No, definitely not. And there was some story behind that. And both those guys had an innate charisma as well that the crowd were into. I think Ray in his non-masked phase definitely came across less than in his mask. But even still, you know, the Filthy Animals were an over enough act that it was always worth watching him. Um, and definitely get a good match whenever you do. So, yeah, I, th- I think nail on the head there. But, yeah, overall, two shows we probably won't see further apart than this for a while, or at least I, I, <laughs> at least I hope not.
1: Yeah, hopefully not. I feel like we might have gone ten nil at one point before, but this is this has got to be like the first time that I think we've not even entertained for, for the prospect of debating the categories here.
0: Yeah, I, I think you're probably on the money with that one. I certainly know I've gone five nil a couple of times over the course of the show, but always had to justify why in those points. And you know, normally it's like, oh yeah, like this was better, but I still, you know, I still had to go that way. This was just a like no, I don't even need to bother. Thunder sucked. Smackdown was good. Um, End of story. Um, So that'll do it for the show. Uh, Hopefully you're all enjoying the WrestleMania weekend festivities if that's what you're into. Um, Hopefully everybody gets what they want out of the week and enjoys the parts that suit them. I certainly know that I'm going to be watching the Hall of Fame. That's something I watch every year. I, I think from having watched the first portion already, this year's format is more back to what I like. I've not loved a couple of the recent ones with the way they've changed it around, but some guys that I like going in and, you know, your traditional intro plus speech is definitely how I enjoy the Hall of Fame. So I'm getting something out of it. Hopefully you're, you are you you all are as well. What have you got coming up in the pipeline, Duncan, For with you and Kyle? Oh,
1: well, um, I mean, it's been ages since we... We last spoke, Lee. Um so we've, I think we've had three episodes since I was last with you. Um, we released the Backlash 2001 episode, which uh, you've already shared your blog it's for. Thank you very much for that. Um, we then went on to discuss King of the Ring 2001 and the kind of weird birth of the invasion around that. And following that, we decided to dive a little bit Back in terms of um, the people that were actually involved in the context of the invasion in terms of like immediately before and after the buyout by the WWF. So we looked at a pair of shows. It was an episode of Worldwide that was from the UK and it aired in January 2001, and we put that up against an episode of Sunday Night Heat that aired on Channel 4 and was the first episode of Heat that featured WCW wrestlers and a WCW tag title match. Um, That's all leading up to us looking at WWF Invasion which is the next tape on our list and we'll hopefully get together and get that recorded at some point Um, things are a bit hectic on my end trying to sort out moving house, I'm in a little bit of a position that you were probably in a few months back Lee
0: very stressful, but worth it in the end. But um, I really enjoyed um, all those episodes you just mentioned. I've listened to them all. I um, was hoping you were going to say that you guys were going to go into Invasion. Um, I can't recall if you guys mentioned that on the on the pod or not. My memory is not the greatest, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That that timeline for me um, around Invasion, like 2001, I'm, I know I've mentioned on the podcast before, but I got um, late 2000, maybe I got my first job. I invested in cable TV, um i watched every episode of raw and smackdown from 2001 every pay-per-view and just fell in love with that and that invasion storyline i know i know what everyone thinks of it i get it but the excitement of turning on raw and seeing like you know a shane helms or a billy kidman or sean stasiak whoever it is running and interfering in a match it just felt totally different to what you'd watched before um wish they'd done it better but the start to it was phenomenal um with the exception of the dvp stalker thing of course that you guys talked about at king of the ring
1: no for real um that's what i was kind of hoping to get across um some of these names in that initial invasion were still important parts of my fandom around that period of wcw and so it got me kind of excited and yeah the king of the ring we didn't really get much chance to see many of those names so i wanted to dial it back and profile them before we actually got into the actual invasion
0: yeah good stuff really great timeline i think i'm um, always listen to your guys shows always um you know give feedback and enjoy it but when you're hitting shows that hit my nostalgia spot it's even more enjoyable so definitely enjoying listening to them and everyone should definitely go and check them out if you haven't done yet um, I've got um, some more Roar and Nitro coming up very soon and Richie and I have been trying to line up a recording schedule for what feels like about a year at this point uh, but we will get together and chat soon, uh, life has just definitely gotten in the way uh, and I'm also going to be doing my first ever, uh, I think first ever head to head movie review coming up very soon when I look at the original Mortal Kombat versus the original Street Fighter
1: Ooh, Very good
0: yeah something a bit different i just you know had no internet had dvds thought i'd watch some dvds take some notes and i'll do a podcast later on so um a bit of variety of stuff coming up here soon so i'm um, gonna get back in the saddle and have more stuff coming out regularly and thanks everyone for your patience and for listening and thanks duncan for joining us once again
1: oh, it's a pleasure as always lee thanks everyone for checking us out